Hi, and welcome to Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. If you're wondering what you can do with your degree, you're in the right place. You'll learn top tips and strategies you can apply to build an impactful career and meaningful life. Your host, Dr. Marin Wood, will share evidence-based research so that you can job search the smart way. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Dr. Marin Wood. Thanks so much for joining me. This past year was a complete washout on the academic job market, and I know many of you are waiting to see what happens this fall. Will there be jobs in my field? Will there be any good jobs in my field? Will I even get an interview? Leaving academia is an enormous decision. It certainly was for me. And although in many ways I wish I could have just left as soon as I got my PhD, I probably would have always wondered if I could have landed an academic position or not. So although being an adjunct and working for poverty wages was in many ways a total mistake, when I finally made the decision to leave, I knew 100% that it was the right decision. The jobs that I was being interviewed for towards the end of my time on the academic job market were just not jobs I wanted. And they were, you know, in parts of the U.S. I just didn't want to live in. I know I would have been miserable and unhappy in like a 4445-5599 teaching load, working in a small rural town a million miles away from friends and family. That just wasn't for me. So a couple of things about the academic job market. You know, I did research a few years ago for an organization tracking who landed tenure track jobs in 11 academic disciplines. And what I learned in this research was certainly in the humanities and social sciences, universally people were landing jobs ABD or year one on the job market. Very few people were landing jobs year two or three, certainly not year four or five out of uh, their PhD. In fact, just recently, the American Historical Association released data that confirmed this to be true. They found that for the most part, jobs in history were going to people who were ABD or year one in the job market, all but dissertation. So just really, really junior scholars. So the longer you're on the academic job market, certainly in the humanities and social sciences, the less likely it is that you're actually going to be successful in landing an academic job. People are just not successful in publishing their way out of adjuncting or visiting assistant professors. It's just not the way that the academic job market works. So what I found is that unless you landed a prestigious postdoc, you were most marketable as soon as you graduated. There is, of course, some evidence of faculty, people who landed tenure track jobs and making some lateral moves. But again, that's that's not the majority of hires. The majority of t- hires are ABD and year one in the job market. So yeah, it, what it means is that you have a shelf life of like a hot second once you get your PhD. And, you know, sure, there are anecdotes of someone who managed to publish their way out of a high teaching load into a tenure track job somewhere else or whatever. But statistically, you're most likely to remain in the ranks of the contingent in highly exploitative working conditions if that's where you end up after your PhD. In STEM, what I saw was generally after one postdoc, usually at the three to five year mark, uh, that's when people were landing tenure track jobs. And then after that, again, we just didn't see people who were long-term postdocs really breaking into the ranks of the assistant professors. So if you're considering an academic job search this year and you're past those time marks, right? You've been on the job market for three, four, five, six, seven years. You're an assistant professor trying to make a lateral move. It's just tough. 
It's going to be harder for you than it's going to be for people that are recently coming out with their PhDs. So if that's you, if you've been on the job market for many, many years, you know, I vote you just skip it, really. And just focus on building your exit. That's going to take enough time. But you have, you know, if you have teaching lined up for the fall or for the next year, well, now you have some time, you have some income. So, you know, you don't have to worry about finishing the academic articles or going to academic conferences or any of that stress. Just like do your job and focus on getting your exit put together because the likelihood of you being successful in the academic job market is just really, really low and your time and energies would be better spent elsewhere. Now, if you are you know new to the academic job market, um, much of what I'm going to say applies to you too. You know, it's good to know that you have options. It's good to know that if the academic job market doesn't pan out for you, there are other places where you can thrive. Because too often I see PhDs going on in the academic job market with utter desperation, right? They'll take anything that comes their way. And you know what? That's terrible for the market. Because what that means is that universities can offer poverty wages and terrible working conditions because people will take them if they're offered. There's no incentive to universities to increase pay or make attractive offers to faculty because they know if you turn it down, 90 other people will be in line and happy to move across the country, live in parts of the world they don't want to live in, teach a 5-5 teaching load for you know $42,000 a year. They don't have to do better. So for those of you that are going on the academic job market, I want you to go on with confidence. I want you to go on knowing that like, you don't have to take a terrible offer. Like, yeah, sure. That might be the only tenure track job that you could offer, but like, so what? There are other things that you can do, other places where you can thrive. You can choose to move to a city that you'd want to live in. You can move closer to family. You can do whatever you want because you have skills and you're employable. And having that confidence, not arrogance, just that confidence of, of knowing your worth and value in industry, well, that can put you in a very different mindset when you're on the academic job market. It will make it less terrifying, less anxiety producing, and less devastating than it might be if you're convinced that the only place that you can have career satisfaction is in academia. I see this all the time on Twitter, right? I'll, I'll tweet out something about, you know, you have options or, you know, there are places for you. And people will say like, no, I, there's no one hiring. No one will give me a job. There's no jobs. And that's always dot, dot, dot in academia. There are jobs for smart people. There are meaningful rewarding for careers for smart people. They pay well, you'll be respected, and you have options, right? You're going to trade out that that job security, that tenure track job for career security. You're going to have options, and you're going to know your value so that you can evaluate opportunities that you get in academia alongside other professional opportunities. Because being a professor is just another professional job. It's not better than, it's not less than. It's just a different kind of professional job than digital marketer or project manager or learning design specialist or data scientist or or business development specialist or whatever. Any number of jobs that are rewarding and interesting and meaningful. So you don't have to settle. And in order to know that you don't have to settle, you need to build an exit strategy so that if you don't get a job that aligns with your worth, you can go outside of academia and find those opportunities for yourself. So here's what I want you to do. Step one, I want you to identify your most marketable skills. In a survey conducted by the American Associations of Colleges and Universities, 82% of hiring managers said they valued a BA or a BSc, but not a specific degree. 
People don't care what your degree is in. They care about your skills, right? The degree is the deliverable. It's the thing that you achieved while developing your skills. It doesn't define you and it doesn't define what you're going to do next. So while you were earning your degree, you developed skills that employers value. And in the same survey, hiring managers said they valued communication, project management, collaboration and teamwork, leadership, qualitative and quantitative analysis, and the ability to solve problems. Well, you can do all of that. And in workshops that I've done with PhDs, generally, we have the skills that are required for 80% of the job. So your most marketable skills are the foundation for your exit. You're going to need to add to them, right? You probably won't have the specific uh, specialized knowledge that professionals have in their career field, just like a, a professional doesn't know what, you know, what a literary scholar knows. You might not know what a digital marketer knows, but you have the same basic foundation. You have 80% of the skills. So that's what you need to identify so that you know that you have options. You have that foundation for other professional careers. So if you look at most job ads, in addition to specific industry knowledge or specific tools, they're looking for people who are strong communicators, collaborators, can build relationships and partner with other people who can solve problems and who can do some kind of either qualitative, quantitative, or a combination of those two, that, that kind of analysis. Now, identifying your most marketable skills is the first part of the discovery stage. It's what we help people do to build that confidence, to really know they have their options. And so as you're reading job ads, read broadly read widely, and don't focus on the things you don't know, right? Those are not your most marketable skills. I mean, a lot of times people do this exercise and they get hung up on the fact that they don't know specific tools or they don't know specific uh, pieces of knowledge or theory that are ap applicable in particular professional fields. Those are not your most marketable skills. Your most marketable skills are the things that come up over and over and over again as you read a wide variety of job ads for positions at a whole variety of organizations. Now, you're not going to apply for jobs because that's not how the job search works, right? That's a terrible idea to just randomly be applying for jobs you find online and kind of a haphazard approach uh, where you're just applying to anything that looks interesting or relevant. That's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm telling you to do a literature review where you're reading job ads as literature to identify your most marketable skills. And you know how to do this, right? So read widely, identify those skills and make notes. What do you bring to the professional workforce? What are your most marketable skills? Don't think of them as transferable skills. You know, I think that that's condescending in a lot of ways. They're marketable skills. They're your most marketable skills because they're in demand in a whole variety of careers and sectors, including in academia and in other organizations and in other positions. Remember when you're doing this exercise that your PhD is the least interesting thing about you. Think of your subject matter and academic discipline as the deliverable, the thing that you delivered through your skills. You develop skills that other professionals use in their day-to-day -day work in order to be an, a successful academic. And being an academic is but just one professional job. We like to think of it as exceptional or different, but it's just not. We apply the same skills other professionals do. It's just that our deliverables and our outcomes differ. And how we measure success is quite different. But being clear on your most marketable skills is the first step to knowing you're employable and that you have options. It's just a critical part of identifying your optimal career pathway. The second thing I want you to do 
right? So you're thinking what your most marketable skills are. You know that you have the 80% of the skills that professionals have that you can take into a variety of different career fields. Yeah, you're going to have to read yourself into a new career field. You can do that. But I want you to know you just have the skills. Now, the second thing that's that's very different about a professional job search is that you got to choose a city. You got to choose a place that you're going to live. So unlike in academia where you have to take this national job search or international job search, because networks and communities are so important to the professional job search process, it's best if you're focused on finding a job within a city or location of interest. So if you want to move to New Hampshire because you want to go back home, you want to move to Maine, you want to move to California, like I don't, I don't care, right? Where do you want to live? Choose that place because that's going to define what kind of career options you might have, right? You might have more options in Denver than in Boise, but they, you could also have similar career options. So you just want to be very clear on like, here's where I'm going to move next, or I'm going to stay where I am. And you're going to choose that based on what's important to you. What do you value? And this is the exciting thing about leaving academia is that I always joke, you become the star of your own reality TV show again. Instead of letting the academy figure out like, where are you gonna where they're gonna allow you to live, you actually decide, right? You take the power back and you're like, I don't actually want to live there. That job sounds terrible. I'm gonna move to Denver because, you know, I like micro brewing and I wanna be in the mountains and it's six hours to my folks. Whatever the reason is, choose the city and get excited about it because that's you 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 get to make that choice. You're in control now. All right, so once you've chosen the city, the third thing that I want you to do is to get people to tell you what the right answer is to the question of what can someone like me do in the professional workforce? You know, we always ask, what can I do with my PhD? The answer is probably nothing, right? The PhD, again, is not the most important thing. It's the skills. So where does someone with my skills find work opportunities? Where does someone with my values thrive? Those are the two driving questions that you have at this beginning stage of your career exploration and job search. And I see a lot of PhDs get very hung up on this, you know, that they they worry that they don't have a, they, they don't know they want to be a digital marketer or they don't know they want to be a data scientist. Um, and so they freeze or they limit their job search to like, well, I like teaching, so I'm just going to do K to 12 teaching. And you're like, well, that's, that's setting you up for a similar kind of narrow job search. And it also doesn't give you career security because if you hate being a K to 12 teacher, you have to do the same career transition that academics have to do, which is like move into the professional workforce. So it's better that you move into something like being a learning design specialist or a facilitator or doing, you know, business development, whatever it is that actually uses the skills and values you have as an educator, um, but in a more, uh, in a way that, that can be found in a whole variety of organizations, right? You want to have options. You don't want to limit yourself to other unicorn jobs or other unicorn positions. So with that in mind, a really good place to start is to research industries in the city or location where you want to live. So I'm in Denver, you know, there's energy, there's aerospace, there's a huge tech startup scene, there's ed tech, you know, I'm, I'm in a big city, healthcare, there's a lot of opportunities for me in Denver. Now, if you're in a smaller location, well, it's very important for you to understand, you know, what are the, uh, what are the main industries? Healthcare is usually a big one. Um, maybe there are uh, agriculture, maybe there's something that to do with um, 
maybe there's more nonprofits, government agencies that are working in your area. It doesn't matter. Choose when you're when you've decided on where you're going to live. You want to identify what kinds of opportunities there are going to be for you so that you can have the most expansive view of the city or the region where you're living and not narrow your options. And of course, the other option that you can look into now, of course, is remote work. Generally, I'd, I would still recommend if you're going to be in like more of a rural or smaller town, finding the the nearest city, right? So maybe you're three outside, three hours outside of Chicago. Well, it's, it's likely that, you know, Chicago would consider hiring a remote worker who's living three hours away. You might have to go to the office every once in a while, but probably not very often. So choose, choose your location, research industries, and then start finding interesting organizations, companies or businesses that you would want to work at. And again, take an expansive view, right? Don't limit yourself. Then go on LinkedIn and you can put into the Google, put into LinkedIn search, excuse me, the name of the company. And you will find employees who work at that company or who've worked in the company in the past and begin setting up informational interviews. Your goal is not to get a job. Your goal is to identify options for someone like you. So the questions that you have for informational interviews at the discovery stage are going to be very, very different than the questions you're going to ask at the research stage. At the discovery stage, you want to identify where somebody, what your most marketable skills are and where someone with those skills can find career success. So you want to ask questions about like, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? What is it like to work at a tech startup? What is the energy like? What do you find most exciting and rewarding about your your work? Um, what keeps you going when things get hard? And then you can say, you know, here are my top skills. You know, this is what I'm interested in leveraging. I think this is where I, I can have specific value to organizations. Where would someone like me find opportunities in your industry or in your company? Where would someone like me thrive? What recommendations would you have for me? Who else might I speak to? And through those questions, you're going to ask essentially your subject matter experts, professionals who work in careers of interest to help you identify career pathways. You don't have to know. There are so many career pathways out there. There are new career opportunities that are being created all of the time. And the other piece of this that's also true is that companies can call a business developer a business developer, but can, but then give them different kinds of roles. So you want to be very interested and curious about the variations within a particular kind of, of job title. So be curious, right? Ask lots of questions. The informational interview is not about finding a job. It's about helping you gather the information that you need to build confidence to know your worth in industry. So that when you approach the academic job market, you approach it as someone with options, who has no, who is not trapped, who is not defined by their academic career, and who understands that a professorship is but one option. And maybe it's not even the best option. Maybe that's what you'll learn. You'll get super excited about something that you're learning about in industry. It'll take the fear out of your job search. It'll take the anxiety out of your job search. It will take the vulnerability out of the job search, and it will put you in a position of power to make the best decision for you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. For more resources to help you launch your next great career, be sure to visit beyondprof.com 
to sign up for our free events. And remember, smart people work everywhere.